Hello and welcome back to Touching Base PR Edition. My name is Jamie and I am still your host. In today's episode, I have an interview with Cassandra Hilly, who is a super cool gal from Australia. You'll definitely hear that Australian accent come out. And what is really awesome about her is that she is 26 and has her own communications firm, which I think is so cool and something definitely to look up to. So we have so many things that we talk about from working in sales at the gym, um, working in sales in general, different sales strategies, influencer stuff, and then just starting your business, getting it done. Also online school, which I know can be helpful for some of you guys right now. So all of that being said, I want to hop right into that interview with Cassandra, but I do have to share my personal and professional highlights for the week. And just to spruce it up a little bit, I have my boyfriend with me who is also going to share his personal and professional highlights. But first, let's let him introduce himself. Hi there, my name is Jake, and I'm a corporate communications major at Baruch College CUNY in New York City, and I'm also a photographer. Jacob takes all my Instagram pictures now, so make sure if you're not following my Insta, that's at the real Jamie G, and the Touching Base Insta, you should also be following that at Touching Base underscore PR. So many exciting things in the works. Jacob knows about it, so Jacob, is it exciting? It is very exciting. Got a lot of good content coming your way. So many things coming, but personal professional highlights for the week. Start with your professional. What is it? Go. My professional highlight for the week would definitely be confirming my internship with the New York State Senate. I'll be doing uh, communications and public relations there. Yay. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited to hear about it. I'm so excited for you to share things on the pod. Maybe in the new exciting things that we have coming. Guys, I'm sorry. I'm going to tease this so much until it comes. But mid-July, things are coming. My professional highlight for the week is that I had it done over to St. John's this week and I got to meet with the person who is in my graduate assistant position right now and then he'll be leaving and I'll be taking over for him. So I got to confirm my teams. I'm doing volleyball and track and field. I got a tour of the building. I learned more about my hours, expectations, all of that. And I also registered for my classes. So I'm taking strategic sport management, strategic sport communications, and intercollegiate athletic administration. So all things I'm so excited for. And I'm even more excited to take you guys along on that journey with me. But personal highlight for the week is that I got to see so many friends this week that I have not like seen in a while because of just like where they live, you know, vaccines, COVID, all of that. So definitely was so good. I got to see so many of my friends this week. And also it is summer now and my pool is open and I am tan. So like just so many good thriving moments this week. But Jacob, personal highlight, go. Personal highlight for the week would definitely be taking my last class of undergrad ever. I'm very excited to say that it's done. So that was a pretty great highlight for the week. So I do just have to make fun of you for one more second. Um, still, not your last class. You still have your internship class over the summer. Doesn't count. Doesn't so count. So you're still not done. Almost there. Doesn't and I'm count. I'm gonna tease you until you until you graduate, but it's so coming. I'm- it's coming. Jacob's graduating college in August. We're excited for him. I think I'm more excited than he is. But it's great to have a support system like like you, Jamie. <laughs> All of that being said, let's hop right into this episode with Cassandra. It's such a good one. So excited for you to hear it. Can you go ahead and first introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Cassandra Hilly, and I am the founder of Millennium Communications, a boutique PR and experience agency in Sydney, Australia. Incredible. So let's jump right into the hot seat segment question because I'm dying to know all about your career. So (laughs) first question I want to know from you is if you could choose an age to remain forever, what age would you pick? Oh, okay. That's crazy. Um, Okay. So I'm still quite young. Like I'm only 26. So I feel as though like my best years are still to come. Mm-hmm. Um, my mid-20s have definitely been like the most challenging time for me and the most growth I think I've had. Um, I'd say if I could go back in time, I would say let's do 22. That was um probably one of the most the year that I had the most amount of positive milestones, not just as a person, but it was also the year that my business was created. So it was a really cool, exciting, fun year. That was the best year. I love to hear that because I'm turning 22 next month. 
Oh, wow. How exciting. So I love asking, especially younger people, if they could choose an age, because I love hearing like which one they would pick and seeing like if it's something I've hit or if it's something I haven't hit yet. So I'm so excited to hear that 22 was a good year for you. I'm really yeah. manifesting 22 being like the best year ever because I'm a big Taylor Swift fan and she's uh- <laughs> on 22. So I'm like manifesting it being the best year ever. Uh, honest, honestly, that's what I did. When I went into 22, I literally, when I was like 21 heading into it, I manifested. I was like, I'm going in this. I know exactly what I want for the year. I know what I want to achieve. I know what I want to grow. And I feel as though that's why it was one of the best years because I just went into this strong mindset of what I want to achieve. And it was actually really crazy. Like as soon as you start getting the ball rolling, it just all started to play out. So manifest it, get those good vibes out there and just, you know, believe that it's going to be the best year and it will be. I got to make note. I got to start taking note of my goals and everything I want to do. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to have the best year ever. It's going to happen. I just got to make it happen. (laughs) That's it. And that's the most important part. Make it happen. So question number two is if you had a free hour every day, how are you want to spend it? Oh my God. Doing something for me. Um, that's one thing I don't do a lot of. Um, so probably like whether it's, you know, watching TV or or sitting with my dog, with my family, um, going and doing something relaxing, like a massage. Oh man. Like that's like one thing I'm dying for right now. Like a good, like, give me a good massage and like get all the stress out of me. That's like, oh, just something for me every day. The one thing that I think I like a lot of business people in business. And I think even a lot of people in the PR industry, whether you work in it or you own an agency is like, it's so stressful and you're always on the go that you just forget to take care of yourself. So I definitely use it to take care of myself. Oh, I am craving a massage. I have not had one in so long, even just like a nail salon massage mm. because my nail salon yeah. stopped massaging you when you're like drying I guess because of COVID I don't know why but Probably, they yeah. stopped and I miss the massages I'm like dying for a good one <laughs> uh it's the best man you just get to lie there close your eyes enjoy it and just like oh like just get everything out of me all the knots everything Oh, for sure. And I feel like once I hear someone start talking about a massage or I start thinking about a massage, I just start feeling all the knots in my back because then you're thinking about like someone like rubbing them out and you're just like, oh my God, I feel that like I need that out. (laughs) Oh my God. That knot just suddenly appeared. I need to go go to get a massage now. (laughs) So now switching gears to communications, PR, all that fun jazz. First, can you tell me where you went to school and what your degree is in? Yeah. So crazy enough, I actually studied my degree online. Um, I did it through a university called um, the Swinburne, what is it called? Swinburne University of Technology. Um, It's a degree in a Bachelor of Communications in Public Relations. Um, So that's like my degree as a whole, but in saying that I didn't really do much for me um a lot like everything that I've learned and everything that I've all the skills that I've had today have basically just come from starting the business learning growing making mistakes and just doing things it was it it was a crazy how much Mm -hmm. how irrelevant it kind of was to me yeah I feel like a common recurring theme is like how irrelevant the things you learn in a classroom actually are Um, because you learn so much just by doing it, being hands-on, especially internships, getting your first job, doing all of that. Like that's where you start to learn things, what Mm. you do in the classroom, like, especially just because PR is so ever changing what you learn in a classroom a year ago, isn't necessarily going to be what you're doing a year from then. A hundred percent. And like, I don't know what it's like for you guys in the States, but like when I did my degree, there was no talk of like media gifting, media kits, how to put one together, creative strategy. Um, You know, it was just very much like the old like stuff that you would do like in the sixties or the seventies. And it was just very like communication based, which I get it's a bachelor of comms, but it's also just very like, where's the Where's the groundwork that actually is the most important part of PR in it? I love hearing 
when people don't really use their degrees as much because my school did not have a PR major. So I majored in something totally different. I majored in English. And sometimes I think I can like feel down on myself because I don't have that PR degree. But then I think back to my internships where I was learning just as much as everyone else was. They were all on the same page, even though they were getting degrees in PR. Yeah, honestly, like I think even girls that come in and they intern with me and guys, a lot of them don't even do PR, but they do small elements that are integrated into the PR strategy, like events management or social media. And then, you know, they find that by going into a PR agency, the best skills that they learn is just the hands-on stuff that Mm -hmm. a university may not necessarily be able to teach them because every agency operates different. Every Mm -hmm. business has a unique PR strategy. So I feel like a lot of people, especially those who are going through the education systems at the moment, are starting to realize that, you know, PR is this big umbrella term, you know, and yes, it's under the marketing umbrella, but there are so many different strategies that fall into public relations that it doesn't necessarily mean you need to have an overall PR, you know, major. It just means that you have to, you can learn one thing, you know, make that your major, but then go into an agency and actually find out the true foundations of PR that apply to that agency. Yeah. And I think it's also so important when you're at internships and agencies, trying to figure out exactly the aspects of PR you like, because you're going to learn so many different things that you can be able to figure, able to pinpoint it and find out this is what I really like doing. And this is what I maybe don't like doing. 100% yes exactly right like I tell all the girls and the guy like because most I mostly get girls that come in and intern with me um but I always tell everybody who walks through my door is to try everything for the next the first few weeks then figure out what you really really like about it and then what we'll do is, is like, we'll focus on the first, the t- your top three favorite things in PR and in our agency so that you can excel at that. And then at the end of the day, you're most likely going to end up enjoying it, owning those niches. Then you can go into other agencies and be like, this is where I excel. This is how in my skill set in PR really benefits me and how it can benefit your agency or your brand. A hundred percent. And also narrowing it down to those three favorite things that you like and you're good at, that's going to help you stand out in interviews when you can exactly pinpoint what you're good at and how Mm. you did it rather than just saying you did this, 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 you can say, I excelled at these things. hundred percent. Oh my God. I couldn't agree more with you. Oh my God. One hundred percent. People want to know. So now I have to ask, you did online school before it was the trend before you were like ahead of the curve. Yes. (laughs) So I have to ask you, what is like your biggest tip for online school? Honestly, oh my God, that's so hard because it really does depend on your circumstances, I think. So the reason why I did it was because I can't sit down in lectures for three hours and I'm a huge, like for someone who works in PR, I'm a massive introvert. So for Mm -hmm. me, the best way that I learn is being in my own environment. So that's how I identified it. And plus I wanted to work full time. So I had to, I I was forced to create a routine around my full-time hours at work and then my study schedule. So I guess that would be my big thing. Like just because you're studying online doesn't necessarily mean that you get that free all of like, oh, you know what? I'll leave it for later. I'm doing it at home anyway, or I'll finish this assignment on the weekend because I'll be home. Really set out a schedule for yourself and a plan. Understand what goals you need to, you know, hit every single week. So like treat it like PR, you have KPIs. So set your KPIs for the, the week or the month and go, all right, I know I have these two assessments due every week. I need to write, you know, 250 words for each essay. And that's going to make my life so much easier by mapping it out. I, cause this is, that's what I did for me. I found that it kept me accountable to myself. I was less stressed, but it also gave me time to be able to just kind of not freak out about studying online it was just like it was still quite new when I was going into it for everybody and 
I think a lot of people were still trying to navigate through it. So a lot of people were freaking out about it. But for me, I just found I need to get comfortable with it, but I need to get comfortable with it in my own way. And by, by doing that is by creating a routine that's going to sit well for mm-hmm. me, that allows me to have time every day for uni, for work, for me, and not allow me when it gets to, you know, that 24 hours before an assignment's due to sit there, freak out, have an anxiety attack, stay up all night, and then submit a late assignment. It was just all about routine. Find your routine. Yeah. And something that I think really worked for me um, when I was doing online classes last semester is putting the big things that I have to get done at the beginning of my to-do list for the week. So putting them on Monday or Tuesday, that way, if I have to push them later in the week, I can, Mm. but that they're on my, the forefront of my mind earlier in the week. Eat the frog. That's my thing. Every Monday I sit there and I go, what's the frog that I just don't really want to like, I, the frog is like a metaphorical term for like the tasks that you don't want to do for like, and you keep putting them off. So every Monday morning, I, because what you're doing, you can apply it to your work life. So like, you know, what's the big conversation you need to have that you've been putting off? What's, you know, what's that meeting? What's the task? What is it that you're putting it off, putting off, put that on a Monday morning, get it done, get over it, eat the frog, and then just move on. And then you'll find that way that you're also going to have a lot more ease within your week. Like for me, by doing that, it's allowed me to have, you know, I can take one full day off in my agency a week because I just jam all those hard tasks Mm -hmm. in that I don't want to do. And now I have that flexibility within my week. And I know if I, if I wanted, if I want to have that day off, I need to get rid of all those tasks. For sure. So now you say you wanted to do online school so you could continue to work full-time in college. So tell me what kind of jobs and internships were you doing while you were studying your degree? So I was, um, I was actually working at a gym. I was doing their sales, which to be honest was like really great for me because it gave me all the tools that I needed to be able to sell within my agency. Mm -hmm. But it also gave me a really great network of people because Luckily at the gym that I'm in and in the suburbs that I live in, there's quite a lot of business owners. Um, A lot of them have quite successful businesses, all this kind of stuff. So I had relationships there and I could speak to them. Um, And I had that networking opportunity. So I was working there, learning all my sales skills, how to deal with people, overcoming objections. Um, In terms of internships, I never really did one. Uh, I am one of those kinds of people that does things to the beat of her own drum. Um, And I honestly, even at the time, I couldn't fit any internships into my schedule. So I was just working, studying, family, that's it. Um, However, in saying that, how I guess you could say I got my internship was because I was an influencer at the time here in Australia. between the ages of, I want to say 17 to 22 or 23. It was 22. I actually deleted it. Um, And the way that I built up um, my portfolio was through, I guess you could call this a part of the manifestation that got me to the agency. Um, I guess you could say everything that I did within my blog was everything that I was applying to my businesses. So I was growing an audience. I was storytelling. I was pitching myself to the media and I got media coverage. I, um, I was doing brand partnerships. So I was negotiating. I was my own manager in a way. I was securing things. So I was speaking at events. So I guess in a way, what I tell people is I built my own personal Mm -hmm. brand through my own personal blog, which is how I got my experience. And to be honest, I found that for me, because I did the hard work on myself, it gave me the tool sets and the assets and the connections that I needed to be able to just apply it because I was managing myself. I built my own reputation. I built my own audience so that was enough for me. But in saying that, when I did launch my agency 
for about the first two years, I did do a lot of free work for brands just to be able to get my foot in the door, Mm -hmm. just to be able to build connections and to very much so just learn off other people's brands, what their requirements are, what their needs are, what are the media, what are the stories we need to tell? How do we do things for them? Yeah. So there's so much there that I want to unpack. First, I want to talk about working in sales at the gym because I'm also mm-hmm. currently working in sales at my gym. Oh, amazing. Um, so, and then you said um, learning how to overcome objections. And that's literally something I was talking about today at work. Oh, amazing. Um, we had like an audit by our regional people today. So they're yep. obviously asking us at the front desk. They're like, so um, here's a scenario. How are you overcoming that one? <laughs> so um, I was told to empathize with the person, isolate the situation, redirect and offer a solution. And that's mm-hmm. how you're going to get someone to make the sale. That was exactly how I was trained as well. Mm-hmm. But then I guess Look, I'm one of those, I've always invested in myself and learned how to grow. And I have gone through so many sales, like courses and being educated. And they all say the same thing, but then that approach has never really sat right with me because I always think of myself in the other shoe and I kind of go, I was that person. And somebody was saying that to me, am I, am I going to like that? Probably not because at the end of the day, yes. See, like, and at the end of the day, I would I 100% feel that. Like, yeah. When I, I remember, because when I was signing up for my membership, I was like, yeah, I have to talk to my parents about it first because I was 18. I was living at home. My parents had been paying for my membership. Yeah. And it was kind of like, a, I can't sign up now. Like, my parents still have to pay for it. Yeah. Well, and that's it. Like, to me, I just go, like, no, like, that's unethical sales to me. Um, Cause I just, I don't know. Cause I care about the relationship with the person. Mm-hmm. I've always put the person first and their needs and their requirements first. So that kind of sales approach to me is very like, you know, here in Australia, we have this term called, you know, the old school car yard salesman tactic, where it's just very like a hard approach, just not about feelings, not about emotions. It's all about the dollar signs for me. I'm not like that. I really think like the biggest thing to take away from that is that like sales is not a one-step approach and Mm. there's different ways to handle every single situation. And it's like really about using your common sense to judge which way to go is the best for that specific situation. Cause I know like for like, if someone tells me, oh, I don't know if I have time to go to the gym, then I pull out our schedule and I'm like, hey, can you find maybe one to two times that work for you? And then we'll get you into those classes. Yeah, exactly. So it's all about like just different approaches. It's not a one size fits all situation. Exactly. And then you've got different profiles of people that you need to adapt to. Like, I don't know if you've done like disc, like a disc profiling. So it basically, it just takes you through the different kind of personalities and your D is like a very like autocratic person. Yes, no, wants it this way, do this for me, blah, blah, blah. Then your S, no, sorry, your I is like a mixture of, you know, the autocratic, but also, you know, likes to know the details and the facts, you know, then you've got your S, which is kind of like that person who, you know, likes to think through things and is very much like, you know, I need, like, I need that little bit of validation. Then you've got your C who is just very like outgoing and is just like, look, I need you to convince me. I need to come in and try Mm -hmm. it. I need other people to convince me. And that's their purchasing behavior. And I think a lot of people go wrong in this, where it's the sense when, People, everybody these days has different consumer purchasing behaviors. And I will even tell this to my clients, especially within the world we live in right now, the sales process is longer, it's harder, but it's most importantly, all about brand awareness as well and trust, which is the key thing. People don't want to buy into say like a gym anymore. They don't buy into a gym they buy into the team behind the desk that Mm -hmm. is going to be the friendly face that says, hi, how are you? Thanks so much for coming back. Or how was your week? Or remembering that one thing that happened to them two weeks ago and asking them how it was, because that makes them feel important. They're buying into, you know, 
They might be buying into a class to make them feel good, but they're also buying into the instructor who's who's going to go out of their way to make sure that they're performing mm-hmm. the right way. So um, gym membership for a lot of people means so many different things. And it's just about understanding the core root of the why. Yeah. And that's the big thing in like for me and my approach. What is your why? Why are you coming to me? Why did you choose me? Why are you putting your money into my business? Why are you investing into me? And then when I find that out and I can really understand their why, not only can I make a better decision on the approach that we can take, but then ethically for myself, I can then decide if this person is the right fit for me, my business, and if we can help them. Mm -hmm. So now switching gears a little bit to your influencer stuff, Mm-hmm. I think very early on when I was doing the podcast, I spoke to a lot of different influencers or expiring influencers about building their brands and also working in PR. Yeah. So I think the biggest question that I like to ask is, if you want to work in PR, do you think you need to do personal branding? Um, in this day and age, yes. It also depends though, are you looking at being the agency owner or are you looking at just working in it if you're an agency owner 100 percent um the only way that i've really as a young as a young woman in business here in, in sydney i am probably one of the youngest agency owners i have found the only way i have been able to build trust with other people um and other like business owners is by putting myself out there and letting them know who i am what I do, what I believe in, but most importantly, what my skill sets lie in. But I have always found that when I talk about what I do and I talk about the PR industry, people are more inclined to want to work with me because they see me as being a 26-year-old, but then when they hear me talk, they're kind of like, oh, wow, she's mature. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking at working behind the desk, not entirely. It does help, but what does matter the most is relationship building. Um, Obviously, if you can become a social media influencer or an influencer in your own right, yes, it helps because you've got connections and networks. But if that's something you're not interested in, don't put that pressure on yourself. Just go out there and build networks with journalists, influencers, celebrities, marketing agencies, blah, 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 and become an influencer in their eyes, become a person in their eyes that you can trust. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously in the States, it might be a little bit different in Australia. That's just like how it is. Like there are a lot of people that work in the industry who just don't have a presence. They're just really good at what they do and they're well known in the community for what they do. But in the States, I do know there are a lot of publicists who are influencers, but I'm just saying, like, I just don't believe that you need to be an influencer to be successful in the industry. If you want it to be really, a business owner, yes. It really is all about building those networks and being people, people, like a, being a people person and making those connections with everyone. I think like when I was talking to my parents and I was like, oh yeah, I think I want to go into PR. My dad looked at me first and he was like, it's (laughs) all about who you know. 100%. So it really is all about building those connections and that's how you're going to find your opportunities and your jobs and your clients. If you're going to own a business, you're going to find them through your network. 100%. And like, Look, that sounds so scary for some people. And they're like, oh my God, I know no one. Oh my God. But there are little things that you can do, like what you're doing today, like a podcast and you're reaching out to other people and building that network through a podcast. It could be starting up a blog. It could be, you know, going out there and doing internships, not only in PR agencies, but also in media outlets. You know, there are so many different ways that you can go about it. I went in with basically like, like I was a blogger and everything like that, but all my network were bloggers. I had no media contacts, no real business contacts. Like I had, I know of business owners, but I wasn't close enough to them to be able to go, Hey, I want to do your PR. I had to go in and I had to start from the bottom up and just introduce myself, have coffees. I spent so much money on coffee in my first year. It was unbelievable, but you do what you have to do to get it, to get mm-hmm. things happening for you. 
So now tell me about founding your agency. Tell me the why you started it, how you started it, what you did, and then go into where you guys are now. Um, it started off manifestation, to be honest, a little bit like you. So when I was starting my degree, I was 21. And then I was turning and I, in the, as in those last couple of months of me turning 21, I was like, oh, it when I was 21, about to turn 22, I was thinking about like what I wanted in my life. I was like very much in my, I guess you could say like, I was, I thought 22 meant that I was going to be old. So I was kind of going, what do I want? What do I want to do? Blah, 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 blah. So I was kind of like, you know, what would be great if I, by the time I finished university, I had an agency set up, like. I had all the stuff done. I can go do a couple of internships during my degree. And then as soon as I've done my degree and I've done my internships, I can then go and, you know, start an agency. Well, that didn't happen because I started the agency September that year. Um, it was like three months later afterwards. Um, it was crazy. I just started manifesting little things like buying a new laptop, buying studio lights. Cause I was also doing social media marketing when I first started. Um, I was watching um, that show uh, called younger with Hillary Duff in it. I loved the name of millennial imprint that they had. And I was like, Ooh, millennial millennium, millennium communication. So I had the name ready. I registered it, everything like that. And in September that year, I caught up with an old friend of mine that I had met when I was an influencer and she had started up a business and she wanted advice from me. We spoke about it and she kind of was just like, what are you doing with your life? And I was like, oh, I'm studying. But, you know, once I finish, you know, studying in, I'll go and start up my own PR agency and do things for people. And she turned around to me and she was just like, um, no. She's like, what's stopping you from doing it now? And I was like, I just don't have any opportunities. Like if I was meant to do it, the world would give me that opportunity and go, hey, here is, here is your sign, do it. So she turned around to me and she goes, hello, I am the world. I am here to give you an opportunity. Here is your opportunity to go start your business. She's like, I want you to go home, get everything ready, come back to me tomorrow, give me a proposal. And I want you to do, to start your business. Next day, went back, handed her a proposal. And then within the net first six months of my business, I was making enough to replace my full-time income. And then I dove into it full-time. Why do I do it? You know what? Like, this is a question that I have been asking myself a lot. Um, with COVID, it was quite a challenging year. So I have just been coming out on the other side of it now. And luckily we're growing and we were, str we're stronger than what we were before. But I think my why is because this is very natural to me. I, I have never really, I've never really had to like, how do I explain it? For me, it's just like one of those things that I just do. I don't think about it. I just get up every morning. I know what I have to do. I know what my clients needs are. I know how we have to do it. And it's just one of those things where I'm just like, oh, okay, like, let's just go do it. I don't think twice about it. It's not one of those things where I have to force myself to sit at a desk and work or work with my team or whatever the case might be. It's just something I really enjoy. And I think that's my why, because it gives me freedom, flexibility. It keeps me stimulated and it keeps me going because there's no dull days in my agency. There's none at all. Um, so that's pretty much like, how it started and what my why is. And now we're transitioning the agency into, um, I, I'm going to start a coaching element to it to help other entrepreneurs who may not necessarily be able to afford PR to help build their personal brands because I love educating people. I love talking to people. Mm -hmm. And I find that there is a massive gap in the market here in Australia when it comes to PR that everyone thinks it's such a taboo and an inside insiders like you know like a inside club and you don't really know the whole thing about it you have to be in it to know the strategies and I just don't think that that needs to be the case I feel like everyone mm -hmm. deserves to be in the media and everyone deserves to be talked about and known about so that's the next step for me now I think that I love what you're going to be doing with coaching because PR is something that I think some people think it's so out of reach and it's not. 
if you have the drive to get your business out there and to promote yourself and your products and whatever you're doing, you can do it. You just need the skill set to do it. And that's what you're going to be giving them. 100%. I couldn't agree more. And that's all it is. It's kind of going like, look, I did it for myself. I still do it on myself, by myself, for myself, because nobody else is going to tell my story better than me. Mm-hmm. So I personally have that mo- mentality. You can hire a PR agency because we primarily now focus on personal branding, but like you can hire a PR agency, no worries. But at the end of the day, you know your story better. You know how to, you will know how, but like with the coaching program, you will know how to talk about yourself and how to get your story into the hands of the media. It's just about having the confidence to be able to want to learn that skill set to be able to do it yourself. A hundred percent. And I, I a hundred percent agree. So now <laughs> tell me a little bit about what some of the tasks you do on like a weekly basis are. And I ask it that way because I know that there's no like daily routine with PR. So what might a week look like for you? Inside of my agency or just all together? My whole life. Um, your whole life. Okay. So my mental health and my uh, physical health are like major things for me. Um, so like to me, I can't perform well unless I'm mentally healthy and my body feels healthy. So every Sunday I, before I go to bed, I plan out my week. So I actually have a whiteboard next to my bed and, um, I break down my days of what my days look like so far for the week. I then break down how many days I want to exercise, how many days I want to read and how long journaling, blah, 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 how much I want to save. And that kind of gives me my KPIs, not just for my personal life, but also my business life. Um, So like it goes back to that routine I was telling you about. Mondays, like I said, are all about eating the frogs. So I do all the annoying hard things that I don't want to do during the week and I just get them done. So I stop thinking about it so I can just have a smooth week where I don't have to go, oh my God, I have to do this. I can't be bothered. I have to do it. And I just get it done. Um, it's also that day I'm also setting up my team, letting them know what they need to do, mm-hmm. what the goals are for the week and, and, and get an understanding of why, what they want to achieve for the week as well. Then the rest of the week is just very much the same kind of stuff. It's meetings, pitching, um, you know, talking to new leads. I am a, um, educator at a entrepreneurial school here. So I talk to a few people per week. Um, It's training, exercising. Um, It's just very boring. (laughs) My life is not fun at all. It's just very much like doing what I need to do to get things done. And then like my partner, like my boyfriend and I, you know, we do dancing together once a week and then it's just family time. Every night it's sitting down with my family, having dinner together chilling with my dog, turning off my phone and just literally enjoying being present in the moment. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, then I have one day a week off, whether it's midweek, end of week, whatever the case might be. And that's just my time. It's all about me and what I need to do for me. And then before you know it, it's the weekend. And that's just time with my partner, family, friends, having fun and just being like a typical 26 year old doing mm-hmm. what, whatever I want to do. <laughs> what kind of dog do you have? I have a Labrador, a black Labrador. That is what I, I, I have six dogs, but I have a black oh my- Labrador too. And I love him. Oh my God. Oh, how cute. How old is he? He is nine now. Oh my God. Oh, he's a little old one. Hey little babies oh they're so cute oh. how old Labs- is uh Mia is five but I swear to god she's like a giant child this dog I feel like Labradors if you are not ready to have a baby or children <laughs> just get yourself a Labrador because they're very good at making you feel needed and wanted 24 mm-hmm. 7 <laughs> My lab, if you're petting him and you stop and he wants more pets, he'll take his pot and he'll hit you. 
Oh my God, that must be a lab thing. That's exactly <laughs> what my dog does. Oh it my God. Oh, uh, they're so like demanding. It's not even funny. He it's um, crazy. scratched my dad in the eye once. Oh my God, no. <gasps> it was oh, so and crazy. their paws are sharp. It was so crazy. He's like so rambunctious, but he's adorable. I love him. I have a beanbag in my room and he fell asleep on my beanbag last night. And then I was up at 4 a.m. this morning to go to work at the gym. And I'm like, hey, Norton, like you got to leave my room. Like no one's going to let you out if you don't come <laughs> out now. Um, and he would not come. So I was oh. leaving at four in the morning. So I wasn't going to wake someone up to be like, Hey, Norton's in my room. So I had to leave a note for my parents. I was like, Norton's in my room. Please let him out. <laughs> oh my God. So that must also be a Labrador thing. We can't, and every night we cannot get my dog to get off the lounge and get her out. It's mm-hmm. a literally like a 15 minute job of trying to convince her to get off the couch and go outside. And then when she walks out eventually she looks at us as if we've like done the most disgusting thing to her (laughs) and it's like the biggest guilt trip I have ever seen in my life it's unbelievable they go from I feel like being so rambunctious to being so lazy Mm. in Mm -hmm. like a blink of an eye they're like change their personality 100% and then everything's just about food Food and people, food, 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 food. Everything's food. It's crazy. I have like, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I remember when my lab first met my boyfriend, my lab does not really like outside people until he gets to know you. He gets really skittish. Um, So the first time he was meeting my boyfriend, we were going for a walk and um, my boyfriend was like, oh, I'm stopping at McDonald's on the way. Like, do you want me to bring you anything? And I was like, no, I'm good. But if you want my dog to go anywhere near you, you should probably bring him something. Oh my God. You're kidding. That's so, so smart. He gave him, he got him chicken nuggets. Oh, and so then like the next four times he came over, my dog would like run over to him, like looking for food. Oh my God. Um, amazing. But now they like each other. So it's good. See, that's <laughs> my dog. So Mia, she's a girl. She's obsessed. Like most of the time she doesn't like men. Like it's crazy. Like mm-hmm. other than my dad and maybe like the few guys that she grew up with, like when she was a baby, she does not like men. If we take her for a walk and she sees a guy, she barks like crazy, like doesn't attack, just barks. There's something about men. And then when she met my boyfriend for the first time, no one else existed. She fell in love with him. Like, no joke, I am like, I will go to her and I'll be like, hey, Mia, like when my boyfriend's about to come over, be like, hey, Mia, Baz is about, where's your boyfriend? Your boyfriend's coming. And she gets up and she runs to the door and she just sits at the door until he comes. And then I open the door, nobody else exists. I'm no longer allowed to touch my Mm -hmm. boyfriend or hold his hand because my dog will sit between us. If like we hug, Mia has to sit on his toes, looking up, watching me as if, to remind me that hey this is my man don't don't touch my boyfriend and I'm just like what the hell well so Norton wanted absolutely nothing to do with my ex-boyfriend like he'd come over and Norton like <laughs> would not even come like where we were hanging out he was like no I don't like you and I just like I think I assumed that I was like oh he just doesn't like like someone else is giving me attention and then oh my, God. my new boyfriend comes over and Norton's like all over him and I'm like Oh, must be a sign. You must, you must read the room. Oh, hundred percent. They always say, trust a dog's instincts. Well, actually my mentor, he has a, um, oh my God, what is it? A, a French bulldog and no joke. So every time he has business meetings, they, he has them at his house or he brings his dog with him, especially if it's the first time he's meeting somebody brand new and He's like, look, Winnie's like, Winnie, the dog's name is like the most calmest dog in the world. But the moment she attacks, like, or growls or gets angry or something, she's like, he's like, I will not do business with the person. I'll take my dog, say thanks so much for your time. And then he'll leave or ask them to leave. Like, mm-hmm. 
the dog's sixth sense is unbelievably like insane. Now you bring up a mentor. Tell me about finding a mentor, how you found a mentor and why you think it's important to have a mentor. So I've had a lot of mentors over my time. Um, I have always believed that in order to grow, in order to grow a business, you need to invest in yourself. You need to be held accountable as well because nobody else is holding you accountable. So I've had quite a few that I've paid and they've, I guess you could, they were more like coaches, um, but they were more around like sales stuff, pretty much just like strategy. Mm-hmm. Then I came, I met, I was introduced to my mentor maybe or a year, nearly two years ago, I'd say. And we met up a couple of times. And then at the time, I just thought he maybe wasn't the right fit for me. But then it ended up just being a me problem. I just had a bit of ego stuff that I needed to break down and get rid of. And then last year during COVID, like I said, um, my world was turned upside down. And I didn't know what to do. I was in a place where I was just like, I I, I just, I mentally, I wasn't coping. I went from having a very, very successful agency um, and in one day not having one. Um, And I guess I had a bit of PTSD and I just didn't know how to move forward. Mm -hmm. Um, So I reached back out to him and it was, not in a case of desperation, but it was a case of like, I really am lost. I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. I, I just need some guidance. I'll pay you. I don't care what you want me to do, but please, I just really need you to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. I met up with him and in no joke, he, I honestly believe the reason why I am where I am right now. And I still have a business and an agency is because of his, his support, but most importantly, because He had a very, very, very successful business and he has built a lifestyle that I aspire to have. And through his experience in business, so he's probably like 45 years older than me. He has gone through a lot from business loss to failures, legal things, everything. And he's also ran multiple businesses and he's accumulated quite a lot of wealth. And through that year of working, or it's been just over a year now, consistently meeting up with him, talking to him, telling him things, it's honestly pushed me. I think that's the right word to want to be a better Mm -hmm. person, not just for my agency, but also in life. I think if you do want a mentor, what you need to do is find somebody who you aspire to be, not just for the materialistic stuff, the way that I see my mentor and the mentality that he has in business is what I want. He values family first and then business second. And that's me. A lot of people in business don't have that mentality. And I have that commonality with him. He gives me realistic expectations. So he doesn't just help me with my business as well. He also wants to help me with my personal life. So he he didn't just help me turn my business around. He turned my whole life around as well because he gave me the lecture that I needed to hear at that time to be able to go, you need to stop being a victim and you need to get your ass up and you need to get moving because sitting here in my office, depressed, scared, anxious, whatever you want to be is not going to help you get better. Mm-hmm. So you need to have that person who's also going to tell you what you want, what you need to hear in that moment, not just sugarcoat bullshit, because it's not going to get you anywhere. Because of that, I've probably fast tracked my COVID comeback. Mm-hmm. So just find somebody you trust, someone who's relatable, somebody who you can talk to about every, anything and everything and somebody you can call when you need a shoulder to lean on because you're stuck in a situation or a situation has arisen and you know you can trust them to help you get out of it, whether it's through advice or through connecting you to mm-hmm. somebody who can help you get out of it. They're my biggest things. A mentor, honest to God, whether you're an employee, whether you're a student, you're a business owner, I do believe everybody needs some sort of mentor in their life 
to be able to look up to them and aspire to be better than what they are. Yeah. In the past few weeks, I've just been having a lot of conversations about mentors with different guests and all of that. And it was kind of like an influence of an influx of people telling me about mentorships. I kept hearing Mm. network, network, network. And then all of a sudden it was mentor, mentor, mentor. So I love asking people about like how they found their mentors, because I think it's such an interesting story for everyone. So I think it's such a fun thing to talk about. One thing that I can suggest. So the way that I met my mentor is because I went to somebody who owns a business that is quite successful and I sat down with them and I was just like, look, you can't help me, but I need somebody who can help me. This is the position that I'm in right now. This is how I'm feeling. And I really need somebody who is a lot older than me and has had so much success in business and in family life or just life in general that I need them to really help me get to the next level of my business. Mm -hmm. And I just got that introduction and I feel like that's all you need. You need to open up to somebody. You need to ask for them to find, to ask them to help you. And then they'll connect you to somebody. Yeah. So I have one more question for you and being totally honest, I've never asked this question before, but while we were talking, it just like popped into my head. So (laughs) if you could, um, if, so if you were writing a book about the last five years of your life, from going to college, starting your agency, all of that. What would you title the book? Oh, that's really hard. Oh my God. I've never been asked this question. And it's actually so- It totally just popped into my head and I was like, I need to know. It's so crazy because it's actually really funny because I've been thinking about writing a book. Oh my God. Um, If I was, um, last five years of my life, maybe something around the title, maybe not exactly this, but maybe something Mm -hmm. like just shut up and do it. I love that. Yeah. I think that's a really good book title, honestly. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Maybe I'll use that one. (laughs) So I'll look for your book when it comes out in a few years from now. I'm on the lookout. All right. Perfect. Just shut up and do it. Let's just roll with that. Write your book. Write your book. I'll see you. I'll see it on the shelves in a few years. Shut up and do it. (laughs) And hopefully at that time, all the borders will be open and I can actually come to New York and do a book tour. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) So thank you so much for coming on and talking to me and sharing your story with my audience. This was such a fun conversation and I loved having you. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And it's so cool to be on a US podcast. This is my first one. So this is really awesome. Thank you. So exciting.